This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my two good friends and co-hosts, Eric Branson and Ryan Stieskull. Guys, how you doing? Happy New Year! Oh, happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. How, how are you? How's everybody feeling? And, and Ryan, I think you're... <laughs> I'm the only one who has not, like, can get some kind of contagion or some illness or... I'm not dying, so how about you guys? How are you? On the how's mend. How's the blood cell count? Yeah, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Finally feeling normal again. Pretty much today, got a little bit of the, you know, post nasal shit going on. But post nasal <laughs> shits is the yeah, worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. Does, well, I, unfortunately, it does kind of become that. It's it's terrible. Yeah, so. it, it, I I'm finally I'd say on the mend. I'm still not 100 percent there, but it's better than it was. And as, as we were talking about before we we hit record, but I I broke the curse this year and I wasn't sick between Christmas and New Year's. This shit started New Year's Day, so at least I rang in. 2020 feeling like garbage but i'm uh yeah i'm, I'm doing a little better so that's that's uh, you know and it, it was a good excuse to sit on the couch and watch movies <laughs> yeah I was, not like i would have been doing anything different if i wasn't feeling sick but right. you know i can always blame that for my lack of doing you know my lack of not even staying up till midnight this year so <laughs> but, but i mean we're so we're, we're kicking our new year we're kicking 2020 off with a. Uh, a four-part episode special, right? And this is something that we've talked about doing for quite a while. It's just always kind of like, when do we want to put it in the schedule? And I think it's working out yeah, really cool yeah. to have it. This is the first four shows of the of the new year. Um, the one uh, well, segment we've talked about for a while now, where uh, we're going to be looking at films that were based on or inspired by uh, comic strip characters of the 1930s or, or film serials. So kind of pre-superhero, right? These also aren't... Slash yeah, like radio series. Aren't or like radio series, series yeah. yeah. In teasing this up, it's a series of episodes. I kept saying film serials, and and many of these characters did end up as you know the stars of film serials, radio mm-hmm. shows, etc. Um, but each of them actually did originate um, as a comic strip characters, and only one of them not in the 1930s and 40s. The Rocketeer was a 1980s comic, but very much inspired in style, yeah, inspired inspired by you know the seri- uh, the comic strips of the 1940s so so it's essentially the 1930s in the 2020s is essentially the name of this special yeah yeah Yeah, (laughs) it's it's really taking a look at the 1930s in the 19 as depicted by the 1990s (laughs) yeah it's it's you are coming down the rabbit hole with us folks um (laughs) yeah so yeah it's yeah exactly these are all 90s movies based on 30s franchises and now we're reviewing them in 2020 so yeah, 30 well, years later roughly i think it's an interesting interesting phenomenon that there was like this cluster of these movies and this was on a four-year period yeah where all of these fairly big budget um action slash quasi superhero movies all based on not only based on characters comics or characters from the 1930s but that are actually period movies as well 
which is interesting because a lot of times when they adapt something from a comic book from you know way back when that they'll you know set it in the modern era and modernize the concept and the everything and these are all you know modern movies that take place in the period where the character originally you know is from so i thought that's interesting and and i i can't think of a whole lot there's a couple more movies that would add on to this trend later but um definitely something that was short-lived yeah, and so I think Very we're going to yeah. start out with the first one, which may have been the one that kind of set the stage for why they did one a year after for four years. But uh, mm. this was the first one that, that came out, and this is the 1990 classified as an American action comedy film, Dick Tracy. So Warren Beatty, this is the Warren Beatty Dick Tracy, right? This is the one where yeah. he produces, directs, and stars in it. Um, Essentially bails this thing out of production hell and makes it himself. I, it, yeah. You know. But it's got it's a fun. huge, absolutely huge cast. In this yeah, one. it does. And yeah. a lot of huge heads, too. And a lot of big... Well, and that, <laughs> yeah. so, so for those of you not familiar, Dick Tracy as a character was uh, this detective in 1930 comic strips uh, created by Chester Gould. And all of the Dick Tracy villains had really bizarre facial features of names like... Grotesque prune. features, yeah. I would definitely say. Little face and prune face yep. and top, a flat top and... Uh, oh, God. What mumbles. Was, uh, mumbles and big boy. <laughs> I mean, so all of them are very you know characterized and then in the film they actually did the makeup to produce these really strange characters it's kind of like uh, at the beginning of mad tv in the 90s when you'd saw like an alfred e newman in 3d and it looked really friggin weird like that's what he would yeah. look like that's what these are <laughs> like but uh, yeah so it, it's got warren Beatty in it you have al pacino madonna uh glenn healy um it's just really really big cast and um I don't yeah, know. This like one incredibly big, <laughs> and it's also really oh, uh, God, who plays Lips in it? Um, uh, that one dude who's always a gangster and who is also in the Rocketeer, uh, Sorvino, Paul Sorvino. Yeah. yeah, that's him. Yep, Paul Sorvino's in it. I mean, it's it's Danny Elfman does the music. 
Uh, Inigo well, yeah. Montoya. Inigo Montoya in it is in it as well. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think that this movie came out the same year as Batman. No, no, no. It was made the year same after. year, but year came after. out the year after. But it was yep. coming off the, the success it of It really Batman. was. In fact, I don't know. I remember liking this one as a kid. It was a really big movie. It, it I guess it had mixed reviews. I wasn't aware of that at the time because I loved it. And it, yeah, was no, a, it, it was a big buzz. It was a big deal when it came out for when we were kids. Yeah, yeah and it... I didn't put it together at the time, but yeah, I think one of the reasons I did like it is it, it feels a lot like Batman in many ways. Well, it does. Danny's and Elfman, a lot of that is probably the Danny Elfman music, but I yeah. think there's yeah. more similarities than just that. But yeah, well, Danny Elf, well, the backdrops too. Yeah, the backdrop yeah. really yeah. gives that feel. And that not only that, like uh, what the '89 uh, Batman very much plays with that 1930s feel, which is carried on in the animated series. Yep. So it's it's kind of like frozen in a time period but also timeless at the same time it's it's very fun to kind of it's like a it's like a parallel world like parallel universe almost yeah it's it's very much 1930s but out of a comic strip like it is that kind of it's exactly that kind of i I like that you compared it to batman the animated series because that's exactly where this is taking place kind of in this like fictional version of the 1930s where maybe some of the technology is a little more advanced than they would have had then or you know um, i mean if you get some people, I think what some people criticize the Batman movies for, like, I oh, don't know, Tim Burton makes things a little cartoony. This movie pushes that fucking. This goes oh, out yeah. of its way intentionally. Yeah. Anybody like, who ever like, you know, a film feels like a moving comic strip. This is the go-to. And and if I can't get, you know, if I can get up on my soapbox for two seconds, um, <laughs> I won't uh, let you. This makes me really, really miss. And I've said this a couple times, but like movies like this, it makes me miss when mainstream movies were still creative. Yeah. And like had some like, you know, where everything wasn't like, and I shouldn't say still creative, that, that's a little more condescending than I mean it to be, but like, well, where you could well, see something, the, the style if, of it wasn't like just neorealism, like it has to be, everything has to look super realistic, we're going to CGI the hell out of everything, make it shiny and look like it exists in the same room as the viewer and, and such and such, you know, this is well, very much going for a yeah. certain like, it this only... is going to look like comic strip, you know, the colors yeah. are going to splash and it's going to... It's it's funny that you say that because I believe this movie is the like it doesn't use any CGI. It's all it's yeah. all so practical effects, and practical, it's like the last yeah. movie of its kind to do it. I think mm-hmm. it said it claims to be or something like that. It, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of movies that because I understand what you mean, Eric. Like again, not to derail or, or rip on Marvel, but any 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 franchise nowadays, you know, like they're gonna be we complain or fans complain when. They're, the feel of one isn't matched in the sequel, right? And because, hey, it worked for the first movie, just kind of do the same thing, and that's what's made any franchise today popular, or at least successful, yeah. is that they stick to a formula. This was something that really did, and this, there was plans for sequels of this. Um, I would say the last, the only other film I can think of, and maybe I'm just not thinking of others at the moment, but that kind of did this relatively more recently was um, Sin City. Yes, yeah. and I think Sin yeah. City was deliberately paying a little bit of homage to to Dick Tracy yeah. at times. Like um, Robert Rodriguez, obviously, would have been very aware of this film. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's personally a fan of it or not, but and it's very much based on Frank Miller's artwork. But I think there's little traces of this in there as well. So yeah, well, I mean, th- that's the same kind of thing where if you've ever read the Sin City comics and you watch the movie, it's like they use the comic as the storyboard. It's all right yeah. there. Um, yeah, and this is this is like similar, that where if yeah. you've ever seen a Dick Tracy, and I know the Chicago Tribune is running it if they're not still even running it, but running reprints of Dick Tracy up until 
um, just recently, but um, when you know newspapers kind of disappeared. But uh, last ten years or so, it was still being printed. So mm-hmm. this is something that, like, literally, the the look and feel of this has come right out of that comic strip. The color scheme, like we were talking about, the larger than life. Um, villains and characters in it like they've Mm -hmm. even they've even done makeup on these actors to make them look like cartoon characters so they're not going for anything that's realistic but they're really pulling the style straight out of the just literally out of and i I like the comparison to sin city because i think that's a more a little more modern film that does exactly the same thing with its source material yeah and, and this also even the the individual shots um are they look like a you know, they were pulled from a comic strip. The angle when Dick Tracy's talking into his watch and you've got that profile view, you know, all yeah. of that kind of classic um, classic all stuff. All the way down to using just splash color backdrops behind shots of actors. And oh, stuff what I, I love that, you know, the, the, the background cityscape in here, they didn't go out of their way to, to not make it look like a matte painting. It, right, but yeah, it no, worked. Totally just used really matte well. paintings. <laughs> well, and, and when he's, you know, there's a, a scene where when he meets, um, you know, the kid... Um, mm-hmm. you know, this little, I love how Wikipedia refers to him as a young street urchin, <laughs> but you know, when he meets Charlie the Corso kid again, yeah. He, and he and returns to the podcast. That's right. And, and he meets, you know, the, the, I don't know, you never really learn if it's his father or not, but his guardian, I guess, or the guy who's kind of taking care of the kid, you know, the tramp, uh, and he and Dick mm-hmm. Tracy get into a fight and the, the shack is rocking back and forth. Um, yeah. it's very common. Well, that character looks a hell of a lot like what's it, Mickey Rourke's character from Sin City, anyway. Yeah, it <laughs> or really just Mickey does. Rourke in general. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, a real melted cake look to him. One of the other <laughs> things that really struck me about this too is so they have Madonna in here as the character Breathless Mahoney, and mm-hmm. it's Madonna in 1990. So of course they're going to give her a couple of songs. Yep, and, and I don't want to say nude scenes and some. M- much yeah. more nudity than I remember seeing. Yeah, when I, I don't was a remember. Kid. I mean, I guess this I wasn't movie noticing is PG, it at the time. By the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and you, you see, <laughs> but you get full on Madonna nip. You too, yeah. in fact, see see through essentially. Yeah, yeah, almost full frontal if there wasn't like a little black lacy thing. But yeah. but yeah, and not to like they you know, know, somehow got away with that. Not yeah. to you know be dwelling on that or anything, but just saying like yeah, it this is a product of the time where you could have nudity in a essential kids movie and it was okay. But they, they actually let Madonna, you know, they give her a couple of songs in this. And this isn't, nowadays, you know, when you have a, or for a long time, you, you could have an, a, a musician tied to a film project, almost like a James Bond thing. Like, okay, you're getting, you know, Adele is doing the new Bond song kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. But in this one, she's got a few full scenes of the full song. It's, it's not as much to make it a musical, but this is a very musical film. You know what I mean? There's a lot of music yes. in it, not just Danny Elfman. And um, the tracks work really well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're actually, like... I'm not sure they're, like, things that are going to get stuck in my head because they're very... Um, of Kind of of the period it's taking place, like, lounge act type, um, you know, um, vocal speak jazz easy. type music. Like yeah, easy. Yeah. Exactly. But I think she's fine. And, and I actually wrote down, like... I've always thought Madonna is a tad, and in the, maybe I'll get crucified for this, but a tad overrated <laughs> as a as a mu- music icon she, or a pop she's, icon. She's the '80s uh, uh, Lady Gaga, but yeah. Yeah. Lady Gaga um, is a lot deeper. But I want to give her some credit where credit's due, and that I think she's a little bit underrated as an actress and things that she's been in. I think yeah. I find her very um, convincing. I even think she's good in this. Like, I'm not a person that finds and. I'm not going to get into who's who's hot, who's not kind of attractiveness. That doesn't matter one bit. 
um, in the long run of things. But I'm not a person who is a big Madonna fan, and not someone that finds her to be you know the most attractive woman in the world. Like there are you know obviously yeah there was a sex would, appeal um, in the '90s yeah. But she she pulls it off in this movie, and I think you know just her character adds that kind of well she's the um, femme fatale. Yeah, yeah. So she's, she, I think she's really great in this. Actually, is really what I'm going at. <laughs> so. And when you when you see the whole movie and see like where her character goes and rewatching the movie, mm-hmm. it's like she she actually has a much bigger role than 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 it seems at first. And you're like, okay, she's she's just a whole other character. She, I would say, out of femme fatales, like she she's more than just you know the 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 face of a femme fatale. Well, you know, when, ah, easy now, (laughs) when 30 year old spoilers, Yeah, you know, when, when Roger, I remember when Roger Rabbit came out, you know, Jessica Rabbit, you know, Kathy Bates and Jessica Rabbit was, was kind of considered like, yeah, that's the old (laughs) femme fatale kind of character. Um, Mm. And I think Madonna actually kind of brought that. I, I was going to say, like, in real life to the screen here, but, the, you know, Roger Rabbit was kind of both animated and live action. So um, kind of gave that a real perspective. Um, I don't know. And right. Again, the, the rest of the cast is uh, going through it. I forgot how many other people are in this. Like, I mentioned Mandy uh, Patinkin, or everybody knows him as Inigo Montoya. He plays the piano player in this. Um, uh-huh. William yeah. Forsythe, Dustin Hoffman, Dick and Van William Dyke. is great as Flat Top, and yeah. Dustin Hoffman as Mumbles. Is underused, but still. And Dick Van Dyke, yeah, no kidding. Like, <laughs> but oh yeah, I forgot how amusing and how hilarious um, Dustin Hoffman was in this. It, for the few Fucking scenes you mumbles. see, him, just mumbles. <laughs> but it's so hilarious the way that he's doing it with the makeup, oh, yeah. where his face looks swished to one side, and um, yeah, there's a lot <laughs> of little details in this for a movie that's very monochromatic and um, or hard edge painting essentially, right? Not monochromatic, very mm-hmm. hard edge. Um, the makeup is it's a is, very basic color it the color yeah. palette is literally like red green blue and yellow yep. they yep. don't really and black but they don't really like do any like anything different and there's no there's no shades there's no shades to those colors it's just all like that primary, straight hue yeah like bright yep. color wheel basic color wheel stuff i mean it's um and you know there's a number of gags in this too that really work um you know there's a there's a scene where dick tracy has uh his partner jump through a a skylight onto a kind of a a seesaw thing to jump launch him out yeah you know that whole Mm -hmm. thing really works i mentioned the the shack bouncing back and forth but there's there's a number of these little gags that really work as another little bit of a, you know, more of a love letter to like silver screen adventure serials and such, um, not only do they use matte paintings and they have kind of some, um, like you said, little jokey set pieces like the shack rocking and the, the launching him uh, through the window, they also have most of the fight sequence in this are over cranked. So, like in fast motion, mm. uh, like which, which is, you have it, you really don't see outside of movies and this, it was huge in the silent era, you know, they'd always speed things up to like sure. add intensity to the, um, you know, a fight scene or a chase scene or something. They do a bunch, a lot of that in here, which just makes it feel even more authentic, kind of. Well, authentic's not the right word for something this stylized, <coughs> but, um, yeah, it just makes it, you know, that bit much more of a love letter to the era. I, uh, I have to say, there, we, there, there's a lot of, like, the, so the world is very kind of fun and funny. Um, and it's probably the greatest thing about it is the visuals and some yes. of the acting. But I was gonna say we can get to the 
the the we don't have to be all positive here because I wrote right because I didn't write down all positive things because because this is looks amazing well because <laughs> this is where I'm getting to next is this like but the story is very much lacking um I mean it's pretty straightforward and simple it's like okay it's based off a comic strip I can't really ask for too much more but the third yep. act is just what the fuck is going on <laughs> like literally <laughs> it's it's a mess. Yeah, okay. It is. It ends up getting kind of hard to follow, with you know who's double crossing who. Three quarters of the movie where nothing much is happening, and then all of a sudden becomes yeah, exactly like the double cross of a double cross of a double cross of a yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I I thought I kind of wrote that down like early in the movie. I was writing things down like, well, not much going on plot wise in this movie, but it's fun to look at. Like you know. uh, I thought yeah. even for a gangster movie, like we're, we're, that's what you're doing. It's based on this comic strip, and that's what it was all about. These larger than life kind of gangsters in a fictional 1930s Chicago. Um, I still think they could have, you know, given it a little more than just you know, um, Dick Tracy chasing big mob boss because you know it's the big feature film. Like we can do a little bit more with it, maybe. Uh, Let's talk but. about Dick Tracy's uh, police, like the, the the abuse of his power as a police officer. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, like no kidding. holy I mean, fucking shit. Nineteen thirties, you know, dirty Harry kind of right. <laughs> in a way, I guess. Except... I feel like his advice, if you if he was in some kind of like talking to somebody who was in marriage counseling, he seems like the kind of guy who seems comfortable comfortable enough to say, "Why well, just slap your wife a bit if she starts talking up?" And like that be acceptable. Like it's that level of like just. A... <laughs> well, and it's funny too that for the that's kind of an ongoing thing is Tracy, you can't do that. They'll throw the book at you. Like you can't do that. And he's like, watch me. And he does with no consequences really over and over again. Yep. I almost feel like it becomes a joke. It's kind of a running gag in the movie, you know, cause it's probably, you know, and I haven't read a lot of Dick Tracy, um, you know, comic strips, but, uh, I, I imagine that's probably something that comes up often in those stories there, you know, like, Oh, you can't do that. You're a police officer. And, you know, uh... I'm sure it's a, a trope that they're playing with from from there but I want, yeah I, want, I mean like most you know renegade wanted, cop kind of characters he certainly in a real life terms is abusing the hell out of his power oh yeah i do want to take note i think uh we need to talk about al pacino's performance as uh yeah as big boy uh and ooh, he's a ride <laughs> yeah <laughs> he he he's one of those rides this is like god it's it's so over the top. It's fun. Is it? Is it good? Is it? It's not. It's not great, but it's it's bad great. <laughs> well, I liked it. Here's the thing: is I want to talk about you like about it. You do yeah, like both it. Of the leads I don't hate of this it. movie, and that like initially I wrote down like a Pacino's overdoing this even for Pacino, but yeah, as the time went on, I'm like, okay, I really like I really like what he's doing with it. It's it just kind of fits this movie, right? He's just so it does. Over it really the top does. And, even to the point of like you're like wow Al are you really going for that you're gonna yell the whole scene no no you're not going down anywhere you're gonna go the whole scene at that level and um and I feel like it works really well for this movie honestly and I ended up really really liking his performance the problem is is facing off against Warren Beatty who possibly is the dullest hero I can think of in you know a movie around this and, and unfortunately he's he was he was the power behind this movie getting made you know he came in kind of saved this thing from you know like I they from basically being in production hell picked it up fixed up the script hired a writer 
Decided he was going to direct it. Decided he was going to start. He just had so much going on that he clearly didn't have the energy to convey this this hero beyond just straight edged. But you know, at the same time, really great actor. But I think he's just wrong for this part. But I don't know. I mean, he he looks the part. I'll give him that. But have you ever read fifty two at this time? Have you ever read a a Dick Tracy comic strip? Dick Tracy Mm -hmm. doesn't do much. I mean, he he does pretty much what Warren Beatty does. This he kicks in the door. He says a couple quicks. I'm taking you downtown. He shoots a Tommy gun, and that's kind of it. I mean, he doesn't (laughs) like have a lot of anything else yeah, I, you know i mean he's, he's i thought a pretty... maybe he was just compared to the comic you know strip version of tracy he was just a little first of all i think he was a bit too old for it but i can forgive i can forgive that a little bit yeah you can easily um, forgive it i think he was just a bit too soft and kind of like i wrote down aristocratic but that, that's and that's exactly what i mean he just seems like he's not like that you know uh blue collar every man's kind of renegade cop dude he seems like he's coming kind of from a different place and I think that's coming from Warren Beatty more than the character. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just, trying to think of anybody probably else. He's the thing who... that works the least for me in this movie. And it's not that I hate him. He, I, I love him in some things. He's a really talented guy. I just I'm not. It just didn't seem to work for this character for me. Um, yeah. I wanted to. We we veered away from Big Boy for a moment, and oh, I yeah. wanted I wanted <laughs> to call call out one scene in particular, mind you. The third act, he's kind of a big reason that it's a mess, but it's it's weird. It's like he's watching a ship go down and he's trying to save it, but all he's doing is overacting in it. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck's going on? But that's not the scene. The scene is when he finally gets the, well, not finally, but when, like earlier on when he gets the, the club. And no, he no is so <laughs> very serious about a good show like obsessively and he's just he's literally spanking actresses asses yeah and oh you gotta do this more and and everything for some reason that scene goes on for like 10 and a half yeah i noticed that the whole rehearsal fucking long the rehearsal is like jesus even i'm getting tired and they make the comment about how it's two in the morning right and they've been doing kind of like they just let l out of this box and just like do it you know do your thing and let they just rolled on him the whole time and went He's still doing his thing. He's still going. Do you know why? Because I bet he was in the editing room while they're doing this, and he's doing the same shit. Like, you can't cut this scene. You got to have this scene. Actually, focus on this part more and more. And he's spanking their asses the whole time. And he still has the makeup on. (laughs) And they're wondering, Al, how the fuck do you still have that makeup on? We shot like three months ago. And also, this is my house. I just, it, what brings me great joy is in my own imagination. I like to think that when they were on the set for that scene, Warren Beatty went up to Al Pacino and said, Al, I want you to do in this scene everything you wanted to do in The Godfather. Because that <laughs> makes The Godfather even more entertaining to me that there's a version in Al Pacino's head of him being like, ah, Fredo, ah, you know, and he's freaking out and shit. <laughs> so I've got my own thing going on with that, it, but, you know, I agree. It's almost like this movie <laughs> being in 1990 was like that tipping point of Al Pacino, like the prior to 1990 Al Pacino and the everything that follows Dick Tracy. It's kind of like <laughs> every, I mean, this, it's kind of like Big Boy got inside of Al Pacino, right? Like, and he It's just, like when he, he came, starts yeah. to like disappear as a good, like a great actor to like, okay, he's a little bit like crazy. I mean, is he's, that what you're he's still a great to? actor, but in a totally different way, like. It, it well, it's it's the Nick Cage syndrome, right? You're right. Yes! Oscar winner Nick Cage, and then you have yes. you know, some somebody who's interesting to watch because they're literally a batshit crazy actor that makes decisions that you just 
boggle your mind but <laughs> like you it makes you wonder is like is is he that good or is he this bad so you're yeah. saying like, you never you can al, never tell so you're saying this yeah. is al pacino's con air yes yeah, I mean, that, maybe, that yeah. would be the way to put it <laughs> or, or face off or it's or one of ghost, the... <laughs> uh, ghost rider maybe or, ghost well rider. he was fucked up before go we'll save the nick cage stuff for another episode <laughs> we have a yeah. whole month dedicated oh, to nick yeah. cage just oh so yeah we, we should and we but, will for the next fucking 50 years because the guy does I, not stop making I, movies. I do want to no, make a... You um, can't keep up. You, you did mm-hmm. mention, uh, you know, Charlie Cosmo um, in this, who, you know, he was also in Hook. He was uh, mm-hmm. young Jack in Hook. Um, and this was, I think, his... This was his first really, really big movie, I think. Um, it was before Hook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just prior to He's Hook, I believe. He's really yeah. quite good in this for a he's child good in actor. Hook too. He's, he's very he's good in Hook, good. but he's, he's yeah. playing such a... You know, a wise, a little wannabe wise guy character in this. Yeah, his character in this gives him a little more to work with, and being as young as he was, I think he does a very good job with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was really because um, especially I, I, trust I no forgot Dane. he was in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, I had forgotten that he was in this, and then when I was like, oh, we just talked about Hook, and so yeah, I tried to make that comparison. Like he's actually this shows his range a lot more. Um, you know, in Hook, he was you know, he, we, as we mentioned, he's pretty good in Hook. Um, and it's just surprising. This is a different kind of character for him in this. And, and um, I did look into him a little bit more because we were like, "What happened to him?" And he became a lawyer actually for yeah. Um, yeah, we joked so, about that on yeah, the hook. Weren't you there? about that on the hook one? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. So <laughs> I know we talked about him. Like, what happened to him? I think he was a lawyer. Yes, he was. Yeah, he turned exactly <laughs> into yeah. He so, just fact checked us. I fact checked. Yeah, he became what? a uh, yeah. Quite, quite a, a Republican too. Did he like, really? I didn't. Yeah, he helped one. out the Republican Party with some stuff too. Quite conservative, I guess. I don't uh, know. I didn't look so it. I wonder if he Each and uh, I wonder if he and Warren Beatty get together much. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and speaking of that, do, do you guys do know about the um, the other time now that Warren Beatty has played Dick Tracy? Yes, he did a, and I found this out on Wikipedia while researching for this show. <laughs> I didn't, haven't actually seen it, but yeah, didn't they do a television special where he was interviewed by Leonard Malton in character? Yeah, Is that in two thousand eight, <laughs> in two thousand eight, they did the Dick Tracy TV special where Warren Beatty came out as Dick Tracy for the entire time, and yeah, I actually was interviewed as Dick Tracy by Leonard Malton. Like you said, it, it's, it's, I've seen clips of it. It's very strange. <laughs> It sounds strange. Um, like maybe in a good way, but I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe we should do a bonus, like a little extra for the people out there where we review that one day. Well, I think it's about 20 See minutes or something. Walking. I guess the other, the other weird thing is that as Warren Beatty, during that special, there's this really bizarre part where Warren Beatty, as Dick Tracy, talks about the 1990 Warren Beatty-Dick Tracy movie and talks about how much he doesn't really like Warren Beatty. <laughs> well, at least we're on the same page. It's he's weird. too dry. He's too dry. No, yeah, he's like the kid. the guy, and I don't see eye to eye on very much. And I didn't care for the movie because I didn't like the use of color in it. It's like what? It's really <laughs> fucking weird. So I don't know. I, I wow. it, it, it kind of does something to this movie. I don't know what, but it it does something. I, I'll admit this is one that I have a lot I, of nostalgia for. Um, yeah, me too. But and, but yeah, I was able to see some things about it. Like, the story doesn't really do much, like we said. Um, yeah. the, well, and, and I know you visually. touched on it early in the in the show, but 
do you remember when this came out like it, like like we talked about it was a, it was a big deal when this was coming out but do you remember some of the merchandise i know we talked briefly on the hook show about some of the stuff that came out around this but like um yeah I had this a was couple one of the toys. And, and, and all of these four movies we're gonna do were all ones that had um a big push with things like action figures and radio in this one the radio watch i know was something i really wanted and never got yeah. um yeah but and nowadays it's like well that's just an apple watch you know? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> an apple watch would do a hell of a lot more than dick tracy's little radio transmitter <laughs> yeah oh and the radio watch so toy was such too. a yeah yeah cheesy little like it had a few phrases that it would say back to you kind of thing um yeah, yeah I did I have a, a couple of the. I think I had like I two get. of the action figures. I think I had the Dick Tracy action figure and the Lips Mahoney, um, and the 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 Lips character that or that figure came with little snap on cement shoes, which yep. was kind yep. of amusing. <laughs> um, but which is funny for a character that was only in the movie for a few minutes. Um, yeah, I remember at the uh, old KB Toy Store at Cherryvale Mall in Rockford. Oh um, wow! They used the basically like last year's flop movie action figures would always go on like clearance for like three bucks and it would always just happen to be a movie like i was getting really into right at that time because it was right around the time those things would come out on video you know because they Mm -hmm. took six months to a year or whatever so i remember just right after dick trace or seeing dick tracy um going to the kb toy store they had all these things for you know two bucks a piece or whatever they were back then uh like you know 50 percent off of original price so it was like yeah i'll buy some of these i don't remember which toys i had but i know i at least had a dick tracy or two um and a gangster or two as well uh, these toys are so fucking weird gone. i'm looking at them but... right now they got the he-man pose where they're oh, like yeah. legs spread and it's just like buffed out it's just yeah, yeah none of them like looks like the giant muscles and yeah none of them look God, anything so in the weird. face like the, these are the more frightening than them. the actual makeup used in the movie yeah yeah <laughs> they all have like they i remember they all have a look on their face like they're all taking a really painful shit like, <laughs> like they're, they're all like, like a, a little bit like they just all, ate no. half a jack's pizza and then like two hours <laughs> later they're just <laughs> leaking it out <laughs> no they all well, there's that I don't know. I, I guess I should look at the, the the sculpts again. Um, they all have a look on their face, like this this painful grimace on their face, just like ah. It's kind of strange for this like really bad you know sneer. Um, yeah, they really do. Yeah, but like all if if not if they don't look like they're taking a shit, they look like they smell the shit that is yeah. being taken. Yeah, like, they all have a really uncomfortable look on their face, but. <laughs> <laughs> and, but yeah, this you know this did do pretty well critically. It was kind of you know reviews were mixed, it's middle of the road kind of. But yeah, but it did pretty much triple, you know, its uh, I its budget. feel like we're right on like what most of the critics it looks like said at the time had a lot of the same criticisms we're making. Everybody loved you know stylistically. Everyone thought it looked it was a great looking movie. Just some yeah problems with the the plot execution, yeah things like that. Um, another thing that was oddly appropriate about this is i had no idea of this when we picked these things out and the timing just worked out this movie actually takes place over the new year holiday which i didn't realize yep, until right i'm yep. watching it and i'm like whoa hang on happy new year it's right in the movie so we get that um, yeah we do get that in so this movie super appropriate for our first show of oh 2020. dick trace i actually watched it on new year's i forgot that i sent that to you guys oh yeah you I'm did watching yeah dick, Cr- yep. dick tracy as i'm watching that and i was watching uh ghostbusters one and two that same night and I watched another, yeah. and Ghostbusters 2 is another fucking New Year's movie. You had your own little yeah. movie marathon for New Year's. Not not on purpose. <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> but, um, I can tell you which ones were better. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess if we well, had to rate this one. Um, which we do. 
which we do. So, <laughs> what do you guys think, Ryan? Let's start with you. That's fair. Um, out of, out of the four for this series, I will say out of the out, out of the four movies we had to review for this particular um, special or whatever we have for this month, uh, this is the highest one for me. Uh, I will I'll, I'd give it a B B plus actually. It's it's really fun. Like it's it's hard not to enjoy this. Like you can show this to friends, and there should be engaged enough to go just with the makeup alone. Go, what the fuck is going on here? And like, just you're just gonna get laughs out of it. It doesn't take itself too seriously, which at times kind of hurts it in terms of story. But I I don't I don't really care. <laughs> like it does. Like I, I it's not enough where it bothers me. And usually narratives. Like if they're bad, they that bothers me. With this one, it, I don't. It doesn't. Um, would I rather be watching Buckaroo Banzai in Eleventh Dimension? Yes. Would I always bring that up? Yes. But um, yeah, I say B, B plus, B plus. We'll give it a B plus. What about yeah, you? Yeah, and I'm kind of right along the same. I'll be I'll probably coming a little bit lower, but in general, this is a really enjoyable movie. I do have a little bit of the nostalgia kick with it, but um. Yeah, I think my main my main beef with this thing is that the the script doesn't have a whole lot of anything happening, and when it does, it doesn't really make, deliver it clearly or in a way that's, um, well, yeah, I mean, it's really the clarity of like what exactly is going on, how the double crosses are working out, the ending, the 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 quote unquote like twist ending of you know breathless being the faceless man, um, it works, but at the same breathless time, breathless being it's, faceless, ah, yeah, I see yeah, that connection exactly. though. Sorry. Um, <laughs> And late to the game, but I think it really just suffers from a uh, weak leading man. I don't think Warren Beatty is up to uh, acting against Al Pacino. Al Pacino just like knocks his socks off. So I don't think Al Pacino is um, like... up against acting <laughs> against Al Pacino anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the cast is really great. I mean, the um, look of this movie is amazing, and I would literally, um, you know, shit right in my pants if we could get a Batman movie that was done in this style like a batman the animated series the movie kind of thing like a live action well, kind of like funny that you that... say that eric because batman and robin <laughs> is very much like this movie so start shitting well, including the overacting and the cartoonish yeah, effects you're... and yeah, overacting you're right. you're right it's like some of the and messy third acts of this movie <laughs> yeah and but, first um, and second. And... No, anyway, yeah, great advice. <laughs> I, I would, I think I'm going to go with a B minus. But yeah, it's one okay. I like a lot, and yeah, it's, it I, just, it's a really great looking film. I can't think of a comic strip or comic book movie that looks quite like this, and especially the way they adapted the characters as well with makeup and such. It's just such a cool stylistic movie. So, I'm, I'm actually yeah. right along there with you with a, with a B minus. Um, I think visually, this really has a lot going on for it. Um, the music is good, both with Danny Elfman's score and, and the Madonna songs, and it work really well. The cast is all having a lot of fun, whether it's overacting on top of overacting. Honestly, uh, Warren <laughs> Beatty's performance never bothered me with this, personally, but um, the story itself leaves something to be desired. I mean, if... if I, I, I will desired. say that the story yeah. could be worse. Like, I've seen worse. But that's not really giving it much praise. Yeah, like could they made they could have made a Dick Tracy versus Aliens or some shit like that. You know, yeah, it's well, it's um, might have been great. you know, visually it's a very you know attractive looking movie. It's got a lot of good gags, and you can tell that the people you know, Warren Beatty and the other people on board with making this knew what they wanted. I mean, you can tell this is a very distinct vision on how they were going to have it look, how they're going to have it sound. All of the characters that are in it are really hamming it up, and that works. Um, 
But the story is really kind of lacking, and I think if this could have been redone today, or if somebody were to redo it today and kind of keep all of the visuals, because they're pretty perfect for it, um, mm. maybe they could have done a little bit more of an exciting uh, story rather than just something that's run-of-the-mill and then also loses its own way. It just kind of goes all over the place and falls apart at the end. But overall, I, I liked it. I'm, I'm not sure how I'm going to place it with the other three that we'll talk about, but I, I would give that one a, a B minus. It's worth a watch. I will mention too that, you know, we talked about all the use of color in the movie. Yeah, it's a very white movie. I'll mention that watching is <laughs> yeah, like there true. are no minorities in this movie. But I know yeah, that that's they also are, they're that kind of most, they're kind most of, of these movies in, actually. In yeah, it, it's again I don't want to just know that well it's a product of the time and it's also as we said before, it's a story set in the 1930s based on a comic strip that was very white. So it, yeah, it, yeah but it, this was made in the 1990s, so it's tougher to yeah. <laughs> say that. Yeah, they went know. cartoony with everything else. I'd hate to see how they would approach that scene. How you know African Americans were depicted. In that's true. Tunes of the 1930s. That's, that's very so. true. But with yeah. with Al Pacino slapping a lot of women on the ass, and you know some stuff like that there's how many appuccino slaps to the ass do you give this that's how the that's how we should have done is this. that a negative rating i mean let's start I, it all over I, again i think that's a negative rating i think that's a rating of bad <laughs> like how one many, would be how good many slaps is it out of <laughs> yeah exactly so but that's i guess the the first film right we're going to cover the three more over the next couple of weeks so please make sure you check back and in the meantime Feel free to leave us any comments, questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms on the Video Junkyard Podcast Facebook page or the Video Junkyard Podcast Facebook group page. You can also send us a tweet at Video Junk Pod uh, or send us an email at Video Junkyard Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any of your thoughts on Dick Tracy. Is this a film that you have some, uh, like, a special place in your heart for or have you rewatched it recently and have you noticed something that maybe we left out in the episode? We'd love to hear what you have to say. And as Joe mentioned, coming up on the podcast, we do have three more of these 1930s comic strip um, movies made in the 1990s. Uh, we're going to look at The Rocketeer, The Phantom, and The Shadow. Um, after that, we're going to be talking Star Wars, finally. Uh, something we do a lot of when the mics aren't rolling, so we're going to uh, do a show about Star Wars. We'll, we'll fill you in as it gets a little bit closer about what exactly we're going to do, because we're going to actually have, we're gonna have an angle to that. If we went loose on the whole thing, uh, we could do a whole entire podcast just on that, I'm sure, yeah. um, as many people do. So, And uh, also, you know, a whole bunch of great stuff coming up in 2020. Um, got a pretty exciting schedule in my opinion so and we're adding stuff all the time so i want to thank you again for listening to the video junkyard podcast please check us out next week and if you don't like this four-part series of serials then we'll see you in march but anyway <laughs> or february i should say february so i'd like to thank everybody once again for listening i'm joe peterson i'm eric Branson, and i'm ryan steiskel hit it al You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. 
We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word I want to thank you again for listening and keep digging who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.